When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A big hearty congratulations to our NCAA national champions. First, we had the ladies, Dawn Staley and the South Carolina Gamecocks, win their game. And then the very next day, Kansas and Bill Self taking the championship home. And college basketball is no more this season. A very, very big shout-out goes to those ladies and men for amazing tournaments this March. But we are past March now. We are into April, which means... One thing, we are approaching fastly, fastly, fastly to the NBA playoffs, and the Masters is underway over at Augusta National, one of my favorite events of the year. So while you have that going on, you have teams jockeying for position in playoff seating. Oh, it's just all great. And the other thing, too, here, being in Ohio, is that the weather starts to cooperate a little bit more. It's 50 degrees instead of 30 degrees, and you have teases of 70-degree days. It turns into snow the next day. But, hey, we're getting better weather around here. We have golf on, major golf, and we have playoff positioning and returns, too, which I'm sure we'll get to, of course, here on Keep It at 94. Another episode brought to you courtesy of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. Spencer Davies and Brian Fritz back again. A little late this time. It's a Thursday afternoon, but hey, you know, that happens sometimes with some travel issues. And then sometimes you have to kind of recover from uh, festivities, we'll call them, uh, for a 30th birthday party. Somebody entering a fourth decade, I was told now. Not my third decade. I got that one wrong on the post. But hey, we all make mistakes. I am now 30 years old, though, so this is the first Keep It at 94 I've done since turning 30, and uh, I want to thank everybody, colleagues, friends, family, um, and whoever listens to this, uh, I owe a great deal of gratitude um, for me being in this position and uh, truly appreciate everybody's support. So that's how we'll kick out Keep It at 94 uh, this week, and uh, Brian, I'll hand it off to you here and uh, get what your travel story was. Oh, I got stuck on the road up in uh, Connecticut and uh, had to stay an extra day. I was scheduled to come back on uh, a Sunday night. Instead, I came back Monday night. I came back during the uh, the national championship game. So I watched the first half of the game on my flight on my phone. And North Carolina went to halftime up 15. Yeah. And then I was just like, oh, well. You know, that's that's a pretty big number. We'll see if Kansas can come back. But it wasn't looking very good, and I got off my flight, and I uh, got to my car, drove home, and turned on the TV, and there was nine minutes left to go in the game, and Kansas was up six. And I was like, that was a pretty quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. And um, and the game went back and forth and got to see a, a great finish to the game, and uh, Kansas coming away winning, uh, winning that one, kind of ripping it from the hearts of uh, the Tar Heels. And, like, I live in Durham. Chapel Hill is right here as well, right in the area. And um, there's a lot of upset people in my neck of the woods. 
I'm sure there were, dude. I'm sure there were. And that's funny that you, you had travel issues because, I mean, everybody, just about everyone coming uh, from Florida had a ton of travel issues with some, some airplane problems. So I would hate to be those people. Hopefully everybody is getting home and uh, safe and all that stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you're not the only one I know who had those kinds of uh, problems there over the weekend. Let's put it this way. I was scheduled to fly out of Hartford, Connecticut, which is about a – 40-minute drive from where I was at. For me to get back on Monday night, I didn't fly out of LaGuardia. Or, excuse me, I didn't fly out of Hartford. I had to drive up to LaGuardia, which was 90 minutes away from where I was. Mm. But luckily, my wife actually likes me. So she didn't mind making the <laughs> three-hour round trip to drop me off at LaGuardia so I could get back. That is that is a very, very good wife. That is That right there... You don't, you don't let that uh, take that for granted. That's very, very good stuff. No, very good so stuff. I was able and to get able back to be and... here as my podcast host this week. So this yes, and, and by the way, I'm glad <laughs> that you're being responsible as a 30 year old, looking out for yourself, staying well hydrated. Well you know, hydrated. I know yes. that you're going to be doing some extra calisthenics, you know, extra stretching, you know, uh, breathing always, exercises, yeah, all of and that, walks you know, and, exactly. Sometimes you, you know. just got to get out for a, a good. Healthy walk, you know. I had a zucchini and tomato panini for lunch today. Wow, that's responsible stuff right there. And I had a chickpea couscous uh, bowl the other day, which, by the way, was really good. I'm honestly like not saying that because it's healthy. It was actually really, really good. Are you checking all your foods now for sodium? Are you weighing food? Um, I'm not weighing food. I'm not to that point. I might be checking some labels. Mm. It happens. Watching like the this carbs. hydration drink I, I have right now is very, very, uh, you know, middling in sodium, but very, very little car- carbohydrates and lots of vitamins. But that's lots what you vitamins. need. Lots of vitamins. You better get on your fish oil now, man. I was going to say, get that vitamin D too, you know, get it all, get it all. Oh, I'm an old man, Brian. I'm an old man. No, you're not. You're way behind me. Come on. <laughs> All right. Let's talk hoops. But before we do, want to remind you guys, our friends over at Ticket Smarter, looking to go to the hottest concerts, sports, theater, and family shows near you, get 100% guaranteed tickets to more than 125,000 live events from Ticket Smarter, the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com. Order online now. So is there anything in particular you want to kick this off with? Because let's be honest, we have like two to three games left in the NBA season, and then boom, play in tournaments here. And then before we know it, here come here come the playoffs. So is there anybody in particular that you want to hit on? Because I'm assuming we're just going to kind of bounce over the the ones that can be changing their their spots and in, in positioning and um, you know p- potential uh, you know scenarios that can happen in the postseason. I know we kind of hit on that last week, but um, you know, we have that. We have some news that's coming out, uh, some stuff from uh, Mark Stein that came out about an hour before we started recording this that we could probably hit on. But uh, it, it's really all about playoff talk at this point, uh, other than those tanking teams throwing out some really, really interesting rosters, even more, uh, you know, kind of dire than the ones that we talked about last week. But yeah, um, and we yeah. could talk about that one particular uh, non playoff team. Uh, that you just referenced from uh, Mark Stein's report in a little while. But it is interesting that you look at, especially the Eastern Conference, just how tight it still is between the top 
four teams there with the Heat, the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Sixter. Sixers still jockeying for position here down the stretch. The Heat almost have the top seed locked up, but you know, two through four are still really tight. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. you know, when you look at five, six, and seven, those are five and six are kind of tight, six and seven kind of tight. Um, Eight and nine, you know, the Nets and the Hawks, they're tied. So, I mean, there's still some kind of going back and forth. I, I don't think it really matters too much when it comes to the the playing teams. But, like, the two through four, that's kind of interesting just because of who you're going to get matched up with in the first round and potentially in the second round and who is possibly going to have home court a little bit longer. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And this this is a uh, one hell of a race. I think this is cool, though. And I hope it stays this way. But 1 through 10, they're all above 500. That's one thing that they do have uh, on the Western Conference. Now, the Western Conference might have a little bit more kind of, um, you know, a little more power in that top four. But I, I love the uh, the parity in the Eastern Conference. And there's, I mean, a lot of really significant and, and fun matchups that you can look at now, but we still won't know literally until the end of the season. Whereas there's some in the West that you can pretty much pick out, I would say. Um, but it's all been really fun and competitive ball. And I mean, I'm, I'm speaking in generalizations here, but I, I'm just excited to get to the postseason because we're all kind of at that point where we want the regular season to end. But at the same time, you could treat this like the playoffs are here in a way because they are, like you said, kind of trying to find their spots. And a lot of these teams are separated by like a half game, like that two through four is separated by a half game in the East. You have Golden State and Dallas still duking it out for the third seed. Uh, Utah and Denver between who's going to get the five and the six. So there's some significant movement that can still happen here. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to mention, Joe, you know, we, we've talked so much about the Eastern Conference and the jockeying for position, and rightfully so. But I think one of the more interesting things, too, that hasn't been discussed, you know, too much, quite honestly, is what is going on in the West between the Mavericks and the Warriors. Because all along, we thought Warriors at the three seed, no lower than the three, you know? Mm-hmm. And they've had this fall, because, you know, because of injuries. Draymond Green missed a big chunk of time. Steph Curry, you know, out. And meanwhile... The Mavericks have put it together following the Porzingis trade. Luka is playing, you know, unbelievable basketball. You know, the Warriors have dropped seven of their last 10. The Mavericks have won seven of their last 10. And now the Warriors could fall to the four seed. And the Mavericks could get up to three. They could. They could. And a lot of this obviously has to do with Steph Curry not being in there. Um, I think we talked about it a little bit, too. Their, um, you know, their their defense really hasn't been... Um, as good as it it's usually been, um, but I mean, dream on being back and stuff like that helps. Um, you know, Clay's got to be himself, and he did drop thirty six the other night against the Jazz in a big win. Um, Clay's looked better. Jordan, Jordan Poole's been playing out of his mind since March started. <laughs> um, you know, Wiggins is starting to find it right back again. Uh, he obviously was having a, a really poor post All Star break. Um, showing, but it seems like he's starting to find his offensive flow a little bit now. Um, it, it's going to come down, I think, to to their depth and um, figuring out, one, how to reincorporate Steph, which obviously is, is something that you can do naturally, but figuring out the rotations around him. You know, like, since Jordan Poole's been playing so damn good, um, since 
Clay's been playing so good. Like, but you still need that spark plug off the bench, so you're probably still going to bring Poole off the bench, or do you bring Clay off the bench? You know, like these are decisions that Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr has to make. Um, well, I hear people talk too about like, oh, well, with the Warriors get Curry back, they get Steph back from injury, and if he's okay, then then they'll be fine. And I'm like, I don't think it's that easy because it's not just how healthy is Steph going to be? How healthy is Draymond going to be? And it's everything you just mentioned. Like, what are the roles? How are you incorporating everybody? What's the rotations? I don't think it's just a, you know, lickety split, you know, you know, flip the switch and everything's working right just because Steph is back. Sure. And uh, by the way, an update on Curry. Uh, he's gradually returning to on-court activities and his status will be updated on April 11th. So keep an eye on that. And remember, this is a foot injury. Uh, that he had, and that was in the Boston game against uh, Marcus Smart. And then on the flip side, when you talk about Dallas, uh, you know, all the attention goes towards Luka, and yes, his usage rate is really high. I think Evan Sidery did an article for us that says his usage rate is comparable to that of James Harden in Houston, which, I mean, that's a lot of workload. Um, but remember, he's only been doing this for like half a season after since that, so... Um, you know, Luca's playing well, but so is Jalen Brunson. So is uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, one of my favorite role players that I continue to say over and over again on this podcast. Spencer Dinwiddie coming off the bench uh, and the, the, the big-time shots that he's made and uh, the, the spell that he can give Luca if he ever needs a rest or playing next to Luca. you know? Like, it's that types of stuff. Um, it's big there. You know, you, you'll have Bertans who can stretch the floor in certain lineups as well. Reggie Bullock's been playing – getting getting more minutes as the season's gone along. So these are big time, uh, you know, changes that this team's made. And uh, they've just kind of been able to coalesce in a way. Um, it was kind of inexplicable explicable, uh, when they got blown out by the Wizards a couple games ago, but they, they've ripped off two straight now again. And uh, I, I think they're in a fine space. Um, it's amazing how different, you know, they've played since the trade and since Luca got in shape, yeah, I mean yeah, that, ob- sh- that obviously coincides. You know? Yeah, I mean when he's in shape, he's just a machine. You know, with some of the stuff that he can do, and just you look at that roster, and you'd be like, eh, I don't know about that, but like Luca can make it work. He's just so powerful and can do so many different things on on his own, but incorporating everybody and just how he can uh, put his fingerprints all over a game. It's amazing. What I'm excited about is to see Reggie Bullock kind of return to like Reggie Bullock form, and he's he's turning on when he needs to. This is exactly like what the you know what the Knicks used Reggie Bullock like. Um, he's not afraid to shoot. He's getting big minutes. He's defending, um, and he kind of fits right into with what Luca needs. You know, like it, when when the Mavs lost Seth Curry or whatever, um, you know that was a big time you know, uh, detriment to them because they didn't have that floor stretcher, that consistent floor stretcher, other than, you know, the, the Maxi Klebas of the world. And whenever KP was, was hitting or DFS, even DFS was only really hitting from the corners. Um, but now Reggie's hit starting to hit his shots and hit his shots really high uh, over his last nine games. He's averaging almost 12 points a game, five boards uh, and knocking down about 45% of his threes of over three, uh, over seven attempts a game and playing 35 minutes a night. So, uh, clearly Jason Kidd's starting to, you know, trust him a little bit more as he's hit these shots. And uh, it's good to see because, you know, Reggie is somebody who uh, he's 
He's really consistent in his role of knocking down those shots. He I give rarely all the, has off nights. I was going to say, I give all the credit to the Mavericks, to the, the player committee. <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> the we committee made fun of worked. it back then. We made fun of it back then, but it might have worked. It might have worked. And, hey, people was were KP, leery. I'm guessing KP was not a part of the committee. I don't think he was. <laughs> well, maybe he was. I mean, you know, sometimes it's addition by subtraction. Because, and remember at the beginning of the year, they were talking about, well, KP's going to play four. And we're going to have a you know another center or whatever, and we were just kind of like, what you know? But you know, give Jason a lot of credit for what he has done and the way that he has adjusted as the season has gone on, and also how he's been able to incorporate two other players that they, you know, got in a trade. You know, when it comes to Dinwiddie and Bertans, and you know they've dealt with injuries, you know, as well with Tim Hardaway, and hey, this is a team that's on the up right now, and oh, yeah. when you look at. I mean, the Mavericks are only a half game behind the Warriors. Warriors have three games left. They play the Lakers. That's a W. Um, they're at the Spurs, and they're at the Pelicans. And those are two teams that, you know, now are into the play-in. Um, and we'll see how hard they're going to be playing here before the play-in tournament starts. And then the Mavericks are home against the Trailblazers, the, the Tankers, and they're home against the Spurs. So... You know, I guess it just kind of depends on how hard like the Spurs and the Pelicans are going to play here down the stretch, and maybe the Warriors. Especially knowing to... that they clinched, you know, like yeah, exactly. I mean, San Antonio is only fighting really for home, right? I mean, that's, Dejounte that's Murray be has been for. ill, you know. So how much is he going to play yes. before the play-in tournament? So yeah. we'll see. Very I mean, scary, by the way, respiratory illness. It's that like yeah, dropped that... like eight to ten pounds in like a, a few days. Yeah, that that is scary, and you know the Jazz. I mean, they're two games back of the Mavericks. Um so, I mean, they're probably where they're going to be at the five. But, I mean, they're they're home for the Suns. They're at the Trailblazers as well. So, I, I would say the only real jockeying going on there that of any importance could be the Warriors and the Mavericks. I mean, it doesn't really even matter between the Pelicans and Spurs because they're going to be playing each other, you know, in that play-in tournament. Sure. So it doesn't even matter, really, yeah. other than home court. Um so, I mean, that, and, and the difference with, when it comes to, like, the Warriors and the Mavericks, if you're the three seed, that means you're going to play the Nuggets, and if you're the four seed, you play the Jazz. So And even, they're, still fi- they're still figuring out where they're going to be. Yeah. So Like those two teams. Right. <laughs> like, so, yeah, so, I mean, it's, you know, th- those could flip-flop as well because they're only a game apart. So, and Minnesota's know, still trying to fight, fight its way out of the play-in tournament with, with Denver there. They're trying. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. They get, I mean, yeah. there's only two games left there, so. And I don't know who holds the tiebreaker, so. I mean, yeah, this is where we get to tiebreaker talk, and we don't really know. We don't. <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't gone that deep yet, so. Yeah. But, I mean, here, here's the thing that I would look at, though. Okay, would you rather face the Jazz or the Nuggets, or you, do you really just not care? I mean, it's really just based on preference, right? Yeah. Jazz or Nuggets, so you think one, the Jazz, they serve up a really difficult matchup, but they have had kind of this internal strife in a way. I mean, as much so for Quinn Snyder to come out and address it. <laughs> right. And address I mean, that you, stuff. You have and an then offense. you have the Nuggets yeah. who have potentially the back-to-back MVP who, I mean, it depends on how much – you're, you know, you're afraid of what Nicole Jokic plays at the table. I don't know who you would prefer. I don't either because, like, 
if you face the Jazz, you're facing a team that's not as athletic, especially in the wings, but you do have a great defensive stopper in Gobert. And you've and got, got plenty of shooters. And they've you've got, got a really solid defense. You've got it, Donovan I mean, at least Mitchell. by reputation. And Donovan, he can he can take over a game and put you up have 50. A, you have a killer, yes. So you have a killer. With the, with the Nuggets, it's more of a well-rounded team with one guy that's controlling everything. It's kind of like what you have in Dallas, you know, with Luka. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of a pick your poison. I'm not – hmm. I guess I'd rather I guess I'd rather have Denver, even though Utah's been kind yeah. of on the on the on the low here lately. I don't um, trust the Nuggets defense enough. I think, and so I'd right. rather no. I'd rather face them because I feel like I can exploit them a little bit more. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, and plus, I mean, if you're <laughs> if you're Golden State too, it'd be pretty cool to see Draymond and Rudy against each other in a playoff series. I don't think mm. we've seen that before. Yeah, we know would, we know their history together. Yes, we do. <laughs> I mean, it comes down in the West. I mean, to what we all I think want to see at this point, and that's the Grizzlies against the Suns. John Morant hopefully is coming back here and is going to be perfectly healthy for this playoff run for the Grizzlies. And um, you know, I I think that's we want to see the young guns take on the uh, the top team in the in the West. You know, with the, the former young guns, yeah, <laughs> the, who, who are the, the youngest yeah. guns? You know, yeah. that are you know on this you know mission to get back to the finals and win it all and the grizzlies are hey man we're we're here and we're not going anywhere kind of team i gotta go whoa 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 not so fastly corso style on you here though Ooh. all right so there's a wild card in all this and, and i wanted to bring them up because they deserve to be talked about and you know we've mentioned them here and there in the last few weeks you know they went down a little kind of losing skid and they didn't look the greatest but you have the clippers sitting there and they're at 500 again yeah Paul George just returned, looking solid, solid. He missed his, like, first six shots in that return game, and then he just went off in the second half. What, did he score 35 in that game or something? Yeah, and it was against Utah. Yeah. That, that, that was, uh, ironically. But he's looked solid, like, really rock solid, averaging about 25, 5, and 5. Three steals a game, you know, shooting at 48% from deep. Um, missing two-pointers for some reason, but... Um, he looks good, and you know what he brings to the table in the playoffs. We saw it against Dallas, even though he had Luca going against him, and Luca just loves to torch the Clippers. Um, Paul brought that into that into that series, and then the next series after that, um, and almost willed this ding team <laughs> into the finals against the Suns. He was trying, he was trying, you know, um, beat up on the Jazz or whatever. But so you have him. You have Norman Powell come back. And he looked sharp yesterday. Um, I think sharp to the tune of. Let's see here. Yeah, I think he was almost. Yeah, he was started out perfect. I saw he was six of six for 18 points. Ended up with, with 24 um, off the bench in about 22 minutes. Um, you have a new addition in Robert Covington going into this postseason who just dropped 43 against the Bucks. Did you see that? That's Did nuts. you see he had 43 points against the Bucks? I, I can't believe he, he went, had 43 points went, against anybody. He went 11 of 18 from deep on nine dribbles in that game. Did you see where Giannis was on the sideline? Because he didn't play and he was just like, hey, dude, yeah. I hope you go for the record because I want to see something. Entertain me. <laughs> and that's great. And yeah, yeah, they were they were resting their you know their big guns, but 
still to score 153 on the road, uh, you know, at the defending champs is pretty, pretty impressive. Um, yeah. But the Clippers have just maintained this like hard hat throughout the season. We didn't know if Paul George was going to come back, but he even said himself, like, in that interview after uh, the Jazz win, it was a comeback. It was like a 23-point comeback or something like that, almost exactly reminiscent of the playoffs last season, so much that Donovan Mitchell was bitching and moaning about it after, and I don't blame him. (laughs) But uh, PG was basically saying, like, you know, he's drawing from, from Kobe that, like, you know, if I'm feeling good, then, like, why am I not playing this game? And, uh, you know, to see PG back and look like PG and distributing in the way he is and uh, rim pressure and shooting the ball the way he is, you have that. You have Norm Powell back now, okay? You add that to this roster. You know, Reggie Jackson obviously hasn't been shooting it the best here as of late, um, but Reggie's play picks up when PG's around. Um, You have uh, a hell of a, you know, one-two punch at center with Zubats uh, starting games, but Isaiah Hardenstein playing his ass off here um, in the last month and a ha- month month and a half. Uh, you have you a know, very flexible roster. You've got a lot of guys. You do, and do you still have Marcus Morris, who we know shows yeah. up in the playoffs, and Nick Batum is very respected. Um, you got a guy, a lot of guys big. that can shoot. You know, and and the thing is, you still have hanging out there the possible potential return of Kawhi Leonard. That's exactly what I wanted to get to. So, like, you have all those variables. And one, okay, they could, as, as well as Minnesota's been playing, they could easily knock off Minnesota. But that would just be so tough for Memphis to draw the Clippers in the first round if that were to happen, I think. And if they don't, Clippers and Suns could make for one hell of a first-round matchup. Exactly. I, I mean, e- either for Memphis or, or Phoenix, that's not the first-round matchup they were hoping for. No. No, not you know? at all. Especially, you know, so, again, if if Kawhi... He was spotted at practice the other day. He was spotted at practice the other day. So. And he looked good. And Ty has consistently said, I'm not going to rule any of them out. Like, it, it, he's, it, he's been trying to tiptoe around the subject. It's been funny, actually. Right. We're all on Kawhi's schedule. It's up to him what he wants to do and how he feels. That's Agreed. what it comes down to. And, you know, we all yeah. know about how private he is, how he doesn't want things getting out. The Clippers are respecting that. But we'll see. I mean, it's totally on his timetable. Who knows? Maybe he says, I'll come back, but only if we make it to the second round. Um, or maybe even beyond that. Or maybe just out of nowhere, um, you know, an hour and a half before game one of the play-in tournament, or if they win, they're, they're playing, and they actually make it into the playoffs. Like, right before the game, we get word that Kawhi Leonard is probable or is going to be in the lineup. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would not surprise me in the least. No, not one bit. I, I also think, by the way, that those two are the teams that are going to end up in the the, the, the top two in the play-in, I think, yeah. are going to end up I, yeah, in I, some I agree. way like that. In, in the East, is even though I like I like the Pels, though I like the Pels, yeah. and San Antonio made a nice little has made a nice little surge here at the end, um, and boy, I I just love them, you know, bringing in Josh Richardson, and Josh has played his butt off, has been a perfect role for them off the bench, um, but I just think that if there's a clear, I think there's a clear cut difference between the seven and eight and the the nine and the ten. I don't I do know too. about that as much in the in the East. I was going to bring that up. So in the East, <laughs> our seven through ten are Cavs, Nets, Hawks, Hornets. Yes, and that could change. 
because there are only two and a half games separates those four teams. But I look at that and I don't know if the Cavs are going to be the team that comes out of there, even though they've they played so well all season. But as we've talked about before, injuries have caught up with them, you know, and it's not just the the, the Jared Allen injury. I think the Rubio injury has really had a pretty big impact on this team. You and me are on the same page there. That, I mean, it started with the Colin injury, and then they were able to hold on, and, and you know, they needed someone to spell Darius. And, you know, Rubio would not only spell Darius, he would play next to Darius and make Darius a really solid off-ball threat. And they've tried that with Rondo, and I think the Rondo played well the other night. Um, and he's played actually better since he's come back from the, the this nagging injury he's had. It's not the um, same. But it's just not the same. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just not the same. Uh, there's not the same pop to them. I think defensively they've fallen off a cliff because they haven't had Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Now, Woj did say on Tuesday on NBA Countdown that both uh, that uh, Evan Mobley could be his back as soon as Friday, so keep an eye on that, and that Jarrett Allen, quote, has a very good chance to be back before the playoffs, so that's big. Um, and remember, Jarrett elected not to have surgery on that. It was his non-shooting hand finger, uh, middle finger, I believe it was. So if they get those two back, that invigorates not only a little bit of life into them, but some legitimate rim protection and help, help defense, which in turn affects how they play perimeter defense. Uh, I, I think that they've been getting absolutely toasted, um, teams getting to the rim and teams just burning them from outside, um, you know, because they haven't had the uh, protection they've needed uh, inside. So that's... That's a big reason why the Cavs have kind of fallen off here. And it, it really is a shame, but, you know, big picture thinking, I mean, 43 wins, whatever they end up with is a success. It's a positive um, season. And, you yeah. know, they've got just – they've got a team there that now they can really build on. And next year will be the year I think they can really, you know, make another move. Um, when it they comes could to the be roster. next year's Memphis. They really could. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were almost this year's – Memphis, quite honest. Yeah, um, the way that it was before. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's because like the other team that we talked about all year in the East that was at the top that has fallen off is the Bulls. And a lot of that's because of injuries as well. You know, it looks like Lonzo Ball is done for the year. Um, you know, they're not going to get him back and just different things that have happened with that team, unfortunately. And But you know what? That, that's another one that while they're a little bit older that you feel like They've got the parts there, and if they can stay healthy and just get one more thing, then maybe they can really you know, be a strong team throughout the entire season and not just for the first half. But, you know, getting back to, like, those playing teams in the East, you know, I think everybody just says, oh, well, the, the Nets are there. Boom, check that. And for the most part, I would agree. I think they'll be one of the two teams that comes out of there. But when it comes to the Cavs and the Hawks and the Hornets – I think that's where it really gets tougher. And for me, I, I've mentioned this before. I think the Hawks are the team that could get out of there instead of the Cavs. And that's a team that I'm not saying is going to win, but I think it'd make life pretty difficult on somebody early on in the postseason. Sure. No, it, it, they really, they really could. And it's their experience from the past. I mean, you're just looking at the right time. Capella starting to turn it on a little bit. Um, you know, crashing in the glass, uh, defending the rim, 
Gallinari has played Finishing. a little bit better too. Yeah, I mean, well, this is their time. This is when the the vets are supposed to heat up. You obviously have uh, Bogey off the bench playing well. Um, you know, Kevin Herter is usually the one that shows up at this time of year. So, like that, I mean, I feel like their you know their defense is is gonna be connected a little bit better. And one thing that we don't talk about enough. And it's probably because they were under 500 for most of the year. But Trey Young is having an absolutely ridiculous year. Oh, absolutely! Like, I mean, there's, ridiculous there's, year, man. Like, there, there's an argument that you know when it comes to the All NBA teams, you could put Trey Young on like the second team with Steph Curry going to the third team, and that's weird because Steph had such an awesome you know beginning to the season, but you know his shooting fell off and then he got injured. So, and meanwhile, Trey, like you said, has been incredible. Since February, he's averaging 29 and 10. That's, I mean, that's right around his, like, average. And he's shooting the three, um, you know, at a, a pretty damn good clip, uh, around 38% on the season. But, I mean, I'm just looking at the the box scores, and I'm not usually just box score guy, but, like, I'm just looking at the assist numbers that he's had um, since the beginning of March, and they're just astounding. You know, like, he's averaging damn near 11 assists a game and pouring in 30 points. Um you know, the turnovers, I think an 11 to three and a half turnover ratio is just fine. <laughs> um, he's been huge. And you look at, you know, dating back to about March 11th, they've only lost four games out of 14. So that, you know, winning 10 out of your last 14 and, and playing, you know, for this positioning, I mean, there's a there's a decent chance that they end up playing the Cavs instead of Brooklyn if, you know, Brooklyn isn't able to, to take care of their business and you have their schedules here. The Nets have the Cavs and the Pacers left, so that's huge. That's a huge game Friday for the Nets and the Cavs. One, the Nets win that, then the Nets, you know, take over home court. But if the Cavs win that and the Hawks, say, beat the Heat, um, then they flip-flop. So those are big games. And then, you know, you have the, the Hornets down there who – are as, you know, God, I can never put my finger on this team. I don't really know how, uh, but they win a lot in a row and then they lose a lot in a row and then they win a lot in a row and then they lose a lot in a row. Like the last two games, they've given up 140. They gave up 144 in back to get back games, Brian. That's nuts. That's nuts. I mean, they played the Sixers in the Heat, but they gave up 144 in two straight games. How do you do that? Explain to me how you do that. I I can't explain it, man. I can't. That's and that's why I don't think they're going to get out of the playing tournament. You know, and I, you know, I look at the other three teams, and like I said before, how do you do that? I I don't know. Forty four. It's ridiculous, man. Dude, the Lakers don't even give up that many points on a regular basis. I mean, come on. Like they but, won five in a row, and now they've lost four out of their last seven. I don't get them. I don't know what. I don't know what they are. They got an interesting offseason coming up. I'll tell you that. Sure, but I mean but they're I mean, a good team. They are. But I mean, but here's the other thing too. Like, okay, so say the Nets and the Hawks, you know, get out of there, or maybe even the you know Nets and Cavs, whoever. But I mean, so many people have talked about like, oh, well, if the Nets get out of the, the play-in tournament and they get into the playoffs, don't want to face them in the first round. And I'm sitting going, I don't know. I mean, we all know Kevin Durant, you know, is incredible, and he's one of the greatest players of all time. And we know that they got Kyrie Irving, who's hot take time. You know, who, his game is he's he's 
tabled off a little bit here. It's, it was a little bit different when he was only having to play once a week and he could have like these ridiculous games. But now that he could play in New York, you know, he's leveled off a little bit. But if I look at the Nets because of the injuries that they've had, and obviously they're not going to have Ben Simmons, you know, and at this point there's no reason that they should because who knows what the chemistry would even be. You know, they're still missing some of their shooting you know, with Joe Harris. I mean, this team's kind of been all over the place. I don't know how scary the Nets really are to play in the first round. Mm, I mean, I never want I to face I, I think Durant. I finally have to agree, agree with the uh, the take people. I think they're still pretty scary. Kevin Durant's always going to be scary. I know it's a two-man show, but I think having Andre Drummond in there to do your dirty work, I think that's big. I think having a guy like Patty Mills is going to be essential in the playoffs. I think Patty's going to turn it on just per, just at the right time. Um, but they've been so up and down. That's why I kind of look at them. I'm like, I don't, I mean, you got to respect them, I think, but I don't. You got Seth Curry, who buries triples. Yeah, and he's coming back, you know, because he's missed some time. But, I mean, I look at them and I'm like... Goran Dragic has been to the dance. Are you really trying to avoid the Nets in the first round? Or looking at it going, oh, God, we've got to play the Nets. Not avoid it, but I would... This team, as constructed now, is probably like a four or five seed. So, I would rank them higher than anyone in the play in Would you rather face the Nets or the Raptors in the first round? That's that's a tough one. That's a real tough one because no one's giving the Raptors the proper amount of respect that they deserve. Um, they've been absolutely on fire uh, since their three-game losing streak in uh, early March. They've lost three games since the ninth. Um uh, They've been good, man, and they're playing hard. They've they've gotten so much out of Scotty Barnes, but but I mean, and Fred VanVleet too. But Pascal Siakam is who you're looking at here, and he's the one looking like the alpha right now. He looks like the alpha, and he's the one that's going to need to earn a an All NBA spot based on the load that he's taken. And it's funny that we're talking about that because. You know, there was so much talk in in the the bubble or, or the post bubble season or whatever the season was called when they were in Tampa that he had lost it and he wasn't getting it back. But dude, he has been just absolutely monstrous for this team, and I love when he's playing point Pascal, uh, but he's also able to to get to the rim and to score in transition. Uh, he still needs to have some better, you know, moves when he's got back to the basket, but he doesn't need to have basket basket. He can be face up, um, you know, pull up jumpers. He's able to knock down threes from time to time. But I mean, his defense and his length just bothers a bunch of people. And he's just he's he's a matchup nightmare in the playoffs. By the way, so, the Nets have just waived James Johnson. That makes sense. That makes sense. I'm sure some other team will pick up. He's a he's a rugged forward that a team can use. If, if a team needs an, like an enforcer or something, I think that they'll they'll pick up James Johnson. Well, the thing is that I look at you know when it comes to those teams is like the Nets and the Raptors. The Nets have been so up and down. I don't trust their defense, and with the Raptors, while they don't have you know the the star power of a Kevin Durant or even a Kyrie Irving. 
Still got Chris Boucher coming off the bench. But you've got a team people. that plays its ass off <laughs> yeah. night in and night out. Really I mean, does. Just, they really do. Good. They play so hard. Don't tell some of these guys they shouldn't be there. Don't tell Scotty Barnes. You know, Precious that Achua been you know, playing real well for them, too. So they, got a, they got the vet and Thad Young. And it's a good team. I just look at them going, man, that's, they're going to make you work for it. But they they're not really going to be in the play-in conversation. They're, they're set. They're they are set. Anywhere. Absolutely. But I'm just yeah. saying, like, who's, who are they going to face in the first round? Because, like, they're five right now. They could be six. Um, you know, that, that could be – I mean, you could potentially have a Bucks. Raptors first round. You could have. And we a, all know the history with that. Yeah, we all know the history together with them. You could have you could Sixers, have Raptors, Philly. I was going to say Philly's right in the thick of it there. Boston, it could still get Toronto, and we know the history with that series. I don't think we're going to get our dream of uh, Philly and Brooklyn in the first round. We're not. I Probably. Don't think, well, I mean, Philly I could think, still get to the two, and obviously Brooklyn could get to the seven. So it's yeah. it's there, but it doesn't. It, it just it, doesn't seem I think like it it's died over. I think it died over the last few yeah. days. Yeah. So, but I mean, I don't. The Nets just don't scare me as much as maybe they should. The Hawks. They scare me, man. I uh, I don't want to see Kevin Durant after missing out on the finals because of a toe. I I don't want to see Kyrie Irving in the playoffs because he's healthy and it seems like mentally he's in a great place and he has no more like blockage in his brain. Um, he just needs more consistency on, on a night-to-night basis. He's still sure. a little up and down. Now that, now that he's playing all the time, you just need to see a little bit more. And, and then there's also this little thing that's out there when any team that plays Toronto. So we know that T. Stiebel isn't going to be able to play games in Toronto. We know that Kyrie is not going to be able to play games in Toronto. And either Al Horford or Jalen Brown from the Celtics are not going to be able to play. Quite significant. Yeah, especially with Quite significant. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you got to throw those out there as well. But um, it's it's going to be a dogfight you know, in the East right now. It is. I'm so excited, dude. I'm so excited. So, uh, so as we've been taping, um, we already know that the Lakers are out of it. They announced <laughs> that LeBron, AD, and Russ are all sitting out tonight's game against the Warriors. All right. You know what? I think we've reached that point to where we can close the podcast. I, I'm going to let you have your little soliloquy. Oh no, no, here. no, no! I just thought we—I wanted to mention it because you mentioned the Stein report. But you, you should have your soliloquy. You should have your soliloquy on the the Lakers so that we can. Oh, get it's it nothing I've said before. I mean, the soliloquy is that yes, they had injuries all year long, and yes, they've had to play with the you know the lineups and you know try to you know cater to Russ. And work them into this, you know, what they were doing. And it was, it's been difficult the entire year. This team was flawed from the beginning. We all know it was flawed from the beginning because not just the rust trade, but because they were limited and what they could do and put around them. This is a team that the last couple of years has been built on defense and they went away from that. And to me, if you want to put some of the you know, blame on LeBron, okay, fine. To me, it goes on the people above LeBron that actually are the ones that pull the trigger on the moves. It comes down to Rob Palenka. It comes down to Kurt Rambis. And you can put some of the blame on ownership as well because they're the one that put them in that position. And it doesn't sound like they're going to make any change this offseason. So, you know, that's where the mess has been in L.A. Because 
They went away from something that worked with this coach, too, with Frank Vogel, who's a defensive specialist. And now he's the one that's going to end up being um, removed from the situation. He's the one that's going to get the blame from ownership and upper management. Because come Sunday night, after the Lakers finish their season, or Monday morning, Frank Vogel will be unemployed. We know that. He's gone. And we'll see who they can replace him with. There's already been some rumors out there that Philly doesn't go well. Doc Rivers could get that job. Quinn Snyder, you know, because there's things going on with the Jazz. And while he's under contract, they could just kind of agree to separate there. Um, and by the way, Utah would be an interesting spot for for Doc Rivers to land, considering that his old buddy Danny Ainge now is in the front office there. So, but when it comes making to making those connections, yes. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, for the Lakers, I mean, it's been a mess since they put the team together in the offseason. Should we really be surprised it turned out this bad, even though you never expect injuries to happen? And going forward, they've got to do something different from a standpoint of build a team and not just, oh, let's go out there and get the biggest, flashiest thing. You've got to incorporate your coach, I think, into the system and what you're trying to do in the offseason. And we'll see what's going to happen because I think there's a chance that Russell Westbrook could be back with this team next year. Uh, Mark Stein threw it out there in his Substack newsletter that, you know, a move with the Rockets still makes a lot of sense to get John Wall. And maybe the, the asking price could come down where it'd just be like the Lakers have to include a couple of second rounders. He also threw another team that has been rumored out there would be Charlotte. And it sounds weird, but it would be a way for them to get off some salary when it comes to either Gordon Hayward has two years left or um, Terry Rozier, who's starting a five-year extension. So maybe something like that would happen. Or the Lakers could just stretch him as well. So... How about that? Which would be incredible. Like, I mean, it would help them like in the first year, but that second and third year, I mean, they'd be, they have $15 million on their cap, you know, just for having Russ. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, they've, they've got some big questions to deal with, you know, and try to you know put this team together. And I'm, I don't know. I mean, for me, if you're going to move, if you can move Russ and that's the thing, it can, it's going to be tough. I would want multiple players because even if you're not going to keep those players for two, three years, now you've got more tradable parts. If you break it up into two or three contracts, then those are parts that can be moved, whether they're stacked together, stacked with other players, whatever, that you can actually start forming together a roster via trade um, rather than just doing one move and you get John Wall. Now, mind you, it's, you know, be the last year of his deal, but You've got LeBron James right now. You got Anthony Davis right now. You are in win mode right now. Um, and that's where they're at. And I, I think the other big thing in the offseason is that Anthony Davis needs to get into, you know, injuries are always going to happen to different people, but he needs to get in shape from a standpoint of don't bulk up. Focus more on flexibility and being wiry and being able to move quick. It's the same thing that Tim Duncan did late in his career. It's the same thing that Kevin Garnett did in his career. And I think it would be he'd be better served by doing that. And maybe that could help him when it comes to being able to stay on the court a little bit longer. 
this, this whole thing about the Lakers are going to trade Anthony Davis or make sense. That does not make any sense. The only way it makes sense is if LeBron James came to the Lakers and said, I want out. And if he wants out and you end up trading him, then you trade Anthony Davis. Otherwise, no way does, would that make any sense. Despite the injury problems you've had with AD, if you have a healthy LeBron James on that team, you keep Anthony Davis and you go from there. Soliloquy. And See? one other thing too, LeBron is going to be up for an extension for three years. And they can't do that until like July or something. So they need to know like right after the season, what his intentions are and what the Lakers want to do. I know it's a big number and I know that LeBron's getting older or whatever, whatever it is, pay that man his money. Okay. Just do it. But, Whatever, however many years you can give him, and how much money, give it to him. Just do it. All right. You got? Did you did you see the one shining moment that Wob put out? Oh my God! Did I see that? Holy I was gonna boy. say I had to ask you. I had to. That ask was you. incredible. That got sent to me by a mutual friend, and I like once he sent it to me, and I just saw the headline. I was like, Oh no, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious, though, man. It's like wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was it was really. Do funny. you think that Russ will be there to help Frank Vogel pack up his office, or will you just leave that alone? I don't know what their relationships like. I, it doesn't seem like it's that good. I don't know. I, it's not like, like they're it's personal meanness, but I don't I don't think Russ likes Frank's coaching, and he definitely doesn't like his rotations. See, that's the other thing too. It's like Anthony Davis threw this out there, and he was totally right when they got eliminated the other night, where he said we've had more starting lineups than wins this year. <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty that's pretty incredible cool. it is it is i don't really know how you can expect wins do you want to make any kind of prediction for the lakers this offseason i don't know what to predict i mean obviously there's going to be some i, I don't want to call it wholesale changes because i think they're going to have lebron i think they're going to have ad russ i'm going to guess they're just going to know that it's not going to work so one way or another, whether it is via trade or via this stretch provision. Um, they can't trick themselves yeah. and saying, well, the last month of the season, though, he played better. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll see. We will see. I mean, they'll have, you know, a new coach. and They should have a new general manager. Rob Polinka has not worked out in that spot. But the thing is, they have. They have personal ties to him, and that's what that organization does. And that's that's why they've talked about you know bringing in Quinn Snyder or some other names that have been there in the past, because they it's like part of the Laker family. The family, they, yeah. They don't the like family. looking outside the family. It's so ridiculous yeah. to me. It's just like you guys have the money to go out there and probably convince or have a good chance of getting any GM out there, whether it's a younger guy that hasn't got a big spot or somebody that's been successful, you know, to go out there and pluck them away. I'm like, why right. don't you do that? Somebody that's got chops and knows what they're doing a little bit more. Polinka has stunk at this job. Real quick, before we get out of here, uh, Adam Silver did end up speaking on a number of things on Wednesday. Um, most First and foremost, saying that the, uh, the next All-Star game that's in Utah uh, will stay in Utah. Um, he also ad- uh, addressed the play-in tournament and that the, the league's kind of pleased with it and um, there might be any tweak. There might be like some tweaks, but it's going to be a quote-unquote fixture in this league. So playing tournaments, sticking around. Um, he also addressed 
as he does every year, and this is really annoying because <laughs> it's the same conversation over and over again. Uh, but it's the the load management and the top stars, um, and and trying to incentivize them playing more games. Um, he hit on that, but this is the thing that I wanted to to talk on is um, the take fouls, take fouls, and he said that uh, a new rule could be coming in July on uh, taking away the take foul, which would be great because that would allow fast breaks to thrive and um, punishing teams for basically being lazy. But, I mean, it's a good loophole right now. Um, But take fouls in transition when the others have an uh, advantage. I mean, we already have the clear path foul, but take fouls are being used more and more frequently here in recent years, and it seems like they're going to be on the way out. I totally agree with that, and you know, the sooner the better. Uh, I, it disrupts the game way too much, and I and I hope that they do that. So that that would be a very nice change. And and when it comes to like, we need to see more star players playing more games. Quite honestly, and there's not a way to get to this really. Play less games in the season. Quite, I mean, and have more breaks in between games. I mean, ideally, the NBA's. Uh, season instead of being 82 games should be 72 to 75 games. Yeah. And you can have a little bit more downtime in between games, but that would mean, you know, owners getting less money, players getting less money. I mean, is everybody going to say like, Oh, so we're down, you know, 5%. So everybody's going to get 5% less. They're not going to be up for that. You know, the only way to recoup that money almost would be, you know, if you're charging more for uh, tickets, that's one way to do it. And like you already charge so much to go to games that you don't want to put that cost off on your your fan base. So I'm not exactly sure how they could do that. Maybe that's something they could work into the next CBA. I don't know. I still think it's a pipe dream. But to me, that would be the ideal thing is to reduce the season by seven to ten games. Okay. So in relation to that kind of conversation, you know, you, we know that OKC, um, you know, relies on Shea and, and Lou and all them, but they've been shut down here for a while. Uh, so <laughs> I wanted to bring this up because I, I already read the, the obscure lineups last week of, of this, <laughs> this matchup. Uh, I want to read you again <laughs> the lineup that the Thunder threw out there. Even the even the Blazers, honestly. But I, I, I read you that lineup um, last podcast. Uh, it was uh, in March. Hold on, let me bring up this one. Because this one even was obscure, but it got even more obscure, and I didn't know it could be more obscure. So the last starting lineups for the Thunder and the Blazers, the last game, was Alex Edge, Pokusevsky, uh, Aaron Wiggins, Teo Maladone, Isaiah Roby and Vit Krezzi. Okay. And the Blazers threw out Keon Johnson, Brandon Williams, Drew Eubanks, CJ Elby, and Elijah Hughes. That's incredible. Okay. That was last game. <laughs> the next time these two teams met, which was, I think, a couple days ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday night. The Blazers started Chris Dunn, Keon Johnson, C.J. Ellaby, Greg Brown, and Drew Eubanks. Not too much of a difference, but still, they didn't have Brandon Williams in there. He must have been playing too good. Uh, the, th- <laughs> the Thunder pretty much changed the whole thing. <laughs> Somehow, they went from lower-end guys 
to 10-day contract slash two-way guys. So they started Xavier Simpson, Georgios Kalaitsikas, Whoa. Vit Kredzi, Jalen Horde, and Isaiah Roby. Okay, so <laughs> again, all the respect in the world to these guys that are having their you know, opportunity to shine and to give themselves a little resume going into the offseason. I'm sure that they'll be picked off into some summer league teams um, and you're getting some good film on you. And actually, a special shout out to Jalen Horde, who has the former Blazer, by the way, a former Blazer uh, draft pick who had a couple of really nice performances the last couple of nights. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give him um, all the credit in the world for that. Um, in, the, you know, in the last two games, he put up 23 points and five boards, but the game against Portland, uh, a revenge game of sorts, he had 24 points and 21 rebounds. And then uh, a few games before that, against Detroit, he had 11 points and 20 rebounds. So shout out to Jalen Horde for that. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, good for him. Spencer, you could have just made up names and most people wouldn't have even known. But I, I, I do appreciate <laughs> I, I I appreciate guys that like take advantage of these opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. He was a two-way guy with the Blazers. Um in the you know, after the 2019 uh, you know, he did he went undrafted and signed with a two-way draft a two-way deal with the Blazers in 2019 and he's kind of bounced around. But he's been with Oklahoma City since an exhibit 10 in uh, December 2020. So, um, but, you know, good for him. But I'm not going to lie. I did not know some of those. Xavier Simpson, actually, if, if our listeners want to look up, Xavier Simpson has a badass hook shot. He's a, he's a point guard with a hook shot. And, Brian, I implore you to look that one up. I will. Because it's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah, I, I just had to read off those lineups because I think that directly correlates to – Exactly what Adam Silver was addressing. Yes, slightly, uh, slightly. Not that OKC like has like amazing stars, but I mean to play NBA caliber, NBA pro level players is important. And again, it's not a knock on these guys, but combined, I don't know how many games they've played at the NBA level. Period. So um, I think that's important, especially for the fan bases. Oh, and by the way, because you're talking about when it comes to those lineups and how it's going to affect like the draft order, you know, uh, coming up here. Oh, sure. Um, everybody loves piling on the Lakers, and rightfully so. I mean, because they can be very obnoxious. Um, the happiest team, though, and what happened to them this year has to be the Pelicans because they get to keep their pick now and don't have to pass it on to the Grizzlies. What if they end up picking first overall? That, yeah, that could happen. How insane would that be? It's, I mean, it's amazing. Amazing. I mean, the it Pelicans really get to keep that pick. They don't have to pass it on to the Grizzlies. A coup by uh, our friend David Griffin down there. I mean, David and, Griffin hey, and Trajan Langdon. Good and job, the Lakers boys. have had pretty good luck when it comes to the lottery, you know, getting those number two picks not too long ago. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, who's, who's not to say that they don't have a little, little magic on their, you know, selection here again and they move up. Right. I know, man. It's crazy. It it's is crazy. nuts. Special shout out to the uh, young core of the Rockets, by the way. Last thing I wanted to say. Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., Jacob, all these young guys, Alper and Shangun. They're fun. They're fun. Hopefully they'll find some consistency next year. But they're competing right now. And, um, you know, it's good to see it towards the tail end of the season because this is a time where guys can fold. Um, but they're 
definitely playing their butts off. They got to figure it out on the defensive end, and that'll come with time. But, um, you know, hoping KP, KPJ keeps his head on his shoulders. Jalen Green continues to to develop that way. I think he's in for one hell of a season next year. And um, Jacob is just a favorite of mine. I want to see him get more minutes. So shout out to the Rockets. I already brought up how well uh, Detroit's been playing and, um, you know, even, um, you know, the Orlandos of the world are, are still trying their asses off and the Knicks still playing their young guys like Jericho Sims and, um, you know, uh, you know, those types of, of guys. So shout out to them, but that'll do it for keeping it 94 this week. Just want to remind you guys, we are a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Got other great ones for you to listen to. If you want to listen to The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr., the Alex Kennedy podcast with Alex Kennedy, the rematch with Aton Thomas, he will have a very, very special guest coming up here, Patrick Ewing of Georgetown, the legend of the Knicks and uh, basketball legend overall. So make sure you guys check that out when that comes out. Dishes and Dimes with the Ladies, and of course, Nothing But Bets, a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery. Make sure you subscribe to Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. Leave a comment, rate, review, subscribe. Do the same for us here at Keep It at 94. We'd love it. We are on Twitter at Spin Davies and at Brian Fritz. And I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Once again, Ticket Smarter, our official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com. Looking to go to the hottest concert, sports, theater, and family shows near you? Get 100% guaranteed tickets to more than 125,000 live events from Ticket Smarter. Order online now. So until next week, we will hit, we will actually know uh, who's coming out of the play, the play-in and the playoffs and all that good stuff. I'm really excited uh, getting into the nitty-gritty of basketball season here. So really, really looking forward to the ride. So... Until next time, we will talk to you later. 